This is our year of what? New. The year of what? Now, the year of new beginnings, not the year of new things. That's the difference. New beginnings, not new things. Because too often, because of our love for things, because we're so focused on the job, getting a better job, making more money, being more comfortable, getting a new house, you know, riding and driving a better car. Because we tend to be focused on those things, too often when God is speaking to us, we get excited only in terms of how that word connects us to those things. But I want you to understand that in this year of new beginnings, the focus is not on things. It's not about you and me getting more money, getting a better job, uh, buying a new house. Now, does that mean those things cannot and will not happen for many of us in 2022? No, because the year of new beginnings don't cancel out the promises of God. Are you hearing me? There are promises of God that are standing and they are in effect. <laughs> and if we believe them, and we do what God tells us to do in regard to those promises, God will fulfill his promises. Philippians 4.19 is still true. It's in the scripture. In the year of new beginnings, God is still saying, I will supply all your needs according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He didn't say he's going to supply our needs based upon the economy of the world, but he said based upon my riches in glory. You know, that's, that's huge. I, I want you to understand that. You know, I could say to you, I'll supply your needs according to my riches. Or Bill Gates could say to you, I'll supply your needs according to my riches. Well, depending upon which one of us you choose, it's going to make a huge difference in terms of what you will experience. Because he didn't say, I will supply your needs according to your needs. He said, I'll supply your needs according to my riches. So, I hope, if we're talking about material things, if you have an opportunity for Bill Gates to supply your needs or Bishop Johnson to supply your needs, I hope you got enough sense to say, Bishop Johnson, I love you. I love the way you teach the word. I, you know, you're my pastor. But with this one, I think I want Bill Gates <laughs> to supply my needs according to his riches, right? Completely different standard. But wait a minute, what happens when you take Bill Gates and you take Almighty God? And Almighty God, who owns Bill Gates and everything else, and who owns the world and everything in it, says, I will supply your needs according to my riches in glory. Wow. So that promise is in effect. And it's going to be in effect the rest of your days. Jesus also says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And his righteousness, he said, these things will be added. So listen, believe God to supply your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Don't throw away your confidence in the promises. But when he talks to us and says, declare this the year of new beginning. It's as though he said, I want you to put a big exclamation mark or three exclamation marks behind the idea of new beginning. 
because I want this year to focus on beginning some new things. And hear me, the focus of those new things is your heart. The focus of those new things is you. You see, the year of new beginning calls first and foremost for a new you and a new me. And what God is most concerned about and most focused on and where his works will be done if we let him will be done in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds, and then through us. You may have heard, you may have heard this expression, changed people change things. So very seldom will God change things directly. What God will do is change people. And then when he changes people, he, he empowers those changed people to change things, to change circumstances for themselves and for others. Remember Saul, the persecutor, who was going about arresting Christians, imprisoning them, beating them, consenting to their death. One, one day God got a hold of him, revealed Christ to him, did a new thing in his life, and God changed him from Saul to Paul. And then God used the changed man to change circumstances, to change people, to change the world. Because these books and these epistles that Paul wrote, this revelation that Paul received, and put those things down. And the disciples Paul raised up in his generation have literally changed the world. That's the pattern. That's the pattern. And so expect and be open. Prepare your minds and your hearts for God in this year to do some deep and lasting work inside of you. Change you. Change your heart. Change your mentality and then work through you. I, I like John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, Jesus, on the last day of the feast, the Bible says Jesus stood up and he shouted with a loud voice. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. And so he invites them to come to him and then to partake of him, to partake of his spirit to be changed and transformed by that encounter with him. And then he says, and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. So you come to him and he does this work in you and by his spirit and power, he changes you from the inside and, and then he makes you the instrument, the vehicle, the vessel by whom living waters flow in order to change ministries, change lives, change people, change circumstances. He does a new thing in your environment and in your circumstances, but he begins with you. I told you on Friday, one of the reasons why we need a year of new beginning is because here's the fact. Many of us have destroyed, ruined some of the things that God 
was building in us, doing in us. And now, in order to, to, to do what he still wants done, you have to go back, or he has to go back, and start the same things in your life again. Here's another follow-up on that. Here's the truth. There was a time when many of us were on fire for Christ. We were burning in our hearts for the things of God. We loved his word. We loved his people. We loved his work. We loved his worship. That was who we are. You know, Alfred said at some point he used to watch a lot of CNN, a lot of, and listen to secular music. But now, his love for those things or his likeness of those things have diminished significantly as his love for Christ and his word has increased. That's the way it ought to be. But for many of us, it's the reverse. The love that we once had for Christ, the love we once had for the word, the love we once had for his people, the love we once had for worship, for worship, for service, have uh, been declining. And some of us, if we're honest, will admit it's declined significantly. And so one of the things I'm assigned to say to you today, which is critical as we begin this year of new beginnings, is stop the decline. Let's stop the decline. I almost want to get a little, what do you call it, a little big sign, you know, where, where they have stop, a stop sign, but stop the decline. Don't go into 2022 and allow the decline that you've been experiencing spiritually to continue. God wants you and me to grow and to keep growing. Here, let me show you an example of what I'm talking about. Go to, go to Galatians, Galatians 4.19. We're going to go from Colossians 3, uh, uh, Philippians 4.19. We're going to go to Galatians 3.19, and 4.19, excuse me. Let's read this together. This is Paul the Apostle speaking to the Galatian church, and this is what he says. My little children, for whom I labor in birth again, until Christ is formed in you. Here is what Paul reveals is the purpose of God for every single believer. You know, first you get born again. But once you are born again, God puts you on a path. And here is what God wants to be happening in you and in me. He wants Christ to be formed in us which means he wants us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. He wants the character of Christ to be fully developed in me and in you so that my expressions, my priorities, my behaviors, my attitudes, my reactions, all of the things that characterize me are really a reflection, an expression of the very character of Jesus who now lives in us. And so that's the goal, that each of us 
are continually growing and we're allowing the Spirit of God to do a work in us by which Christ is being formed in us, his character, his power, his nature, his goodness, his love, his patience, his long-suffering, his joy, his peace, all of the things that we know are true in Jesus, that those things will develop more and more on the inside of us, overcoming that old man with his old habits and Christ being formed. And so, when Paul preached the gospel to the Galatian Christians, Galatians, before they became Christians, they rejoiced to hear the word. And they received Jesus, and they received Paul, and they received the ministry of the word through him. And they were excited about what they were hearing. They were giving themselves to the word, the word of grace. They were giving themselves to prayer. They were eager for whatever God was showing them through the ministry of Paul. But by the time Paul writes this, something has happened. They have listened to people they shouldn't listen to. They've allowed themselves to come under the influence of people and, 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 and circumstances, and allow themselves to, to ask questions they should not be asking. And something happened and they started to change. And they begin to decline in their relationship with God. And Paul now is saying, man, we've got to stop the decline. You see, I'm a father. And I, when I look at what's happening, I, I, once, I once was excited about what I saw you allowing God to do in your life. I was excited about your spiritual growth, the transformation that was taking place. I was excited about your love for the word, your love for prayer, your love for ministry, your desire to learn. I was excited, but something has happened and now it's like I'm going to have to start all over. It's, it's, it's though we're going to have to have a new beginning, almost get you born again again. And Paul said it feels like giving birth. He said what I'm going through as I contemplate what it's going to take, it's like I'm having to go through labor pains all over again for you, my little children. So this is the heart of a father, a spiritual father, who loves these people, but see what, he sees what, what is happening to them spiritually and how they're declining. And he says, man, we've got to stop this decline. We've got to reverse this. You've got to start growing again. Go to verse 13. Because this is what Paul saw. And this is what was happening that broke his heart. In verse 13, he says, when I came to preach to you the first time to bring the gospel, in other words, I wasn't at my best physically. It appears, and we'll read it shortly, that Paul may have had a condition in his eyes. Some say when he was stoned, it may have been that his eye became infected. And when he got there, that perhaps that infection and all of that, that's not a pretty sight. But with, with the pain and the discomfort and all that he was going through, Paul said, I preach the gospel. It may have been that the reason Paul went to Galatia was because he wasn't feeling very well. So he went there perhaps to get some rest and give himself some time to recover. But he says during that time, that was when I preached the gospel to you. I wasn't feeling my best, 
but I still preach the good news to you. Next verse. My trial, which was in my flesh, you didn't despise or reject. But he says, man, this is, watch this now. He said, when I was preaching the gospel to you, you were so excited about the word. You were so excited about what you were hearing. You were so excited about the revelation concerning Jesus. And as a result, you received me as though I was an angel. In fact, you did even more than that. The way you treated me, because you were so excited about the word, you treated me almost as if I was Christ Jesus himself. Wow. Remember when you used to be excited about the word? Remember when you used to be excited about those who taught you the word and you, could, you were eager to hear because you were eager to grow? You wanted to know, you wanted a greater revelation. Remember that? Paul said, man, where I am, I remember how eager you were to hear the word. You loved the word, and because you loved the word, you placed a high value upon me as the messenger and, and received that word from me. You treated me a certain way. Then next verse. And then something changed. So Paul is saying, now you were so blessed then. You were talking about how blessed you were by the word. You were so excited. He said, but what has happened now? What has happened? Something has changed. You're no longer blessed anymore, it seems, by the word. He says, I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. You appreciated the ministry of the word so much. You desired the word so much. You longed for the word so much. You wanted to be like Jesus so much. And you knew that I was an instrument that Jesus was using to reveal himself to you and to reveal the truth to you. And you couldn't get enough of that. And because of that, there was nothing that you felt was too good for me. If it were possible for you to pluck out your eyes and give me your eyes, because you valued the ministry of the word so much, you would have done that. Wow. That was the kind of passion the Galatians once had for Christ and for his word and for the things of God, for worship. They were eager and willing to do whatever they needed to do for this. Next verse. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Next verse. Then he talks about where the interference came in. He began to describe the people who had started to question and say things and cause the, the, the disciples in Galatia to lose their zeal and to lose their passion for Christ and for the word. Are you listening to me? So they were once very excited about Paul. Excited, loved him, appreciated because they were so excited about the word. They were growing, they were growing, they were growing. But something had changed. And now they were declining. And Paul is saying, man, I feel like I got to begin again. We need a new beginning because something has gone wrong. Hmm? I see many of you looking in space. I hope you're hearing it. So let's be honest. In the year of new beginning, are there some things you know God needs to begin again in you? 
Are you going to let him? Are you determined, you know what? I, I acknowledge there's been a decline, but I'm, by the grace of God, intend for the decline to stop. And in 2022, I'm going to start growing again. Amen. I'm going to start growing again. Hallelujah. Now, let me quickly, I'm going to be done soon, very soon. I'm going to share with you two or three things because I want to be practical. If we're going to stop the decline, and, and, and we, by the grace of God, will stop the decline, in our own lives personally, in the church, we're going to stop the decline, and we're going to start growing again, being conformed to Christ. But if we're going to do it, you and I will have to be involved. You and I will not sit passively in the, in the, in the stadium on the stand, and God is going to do this by himself. You know, in the book of Genesis, when God was about to create the world, the Bible says there was nothing. The earth was without form and void. And then God said, let there be. And God created the world out of nothing. But when it came time to create Adam and Eve, he didn't create Adam out of nothing. He, created, he formed the body of Adam out of the dust of the earth. He used something in order to create a new man. And I don't know if God ever creates anything new out of nothing. In this dispensation, it seems to me every time God wants to create something new or produce something different, he starts with what is. He uses what is, and he always seems to require our participation, our involvement. So when God says this is a year of new beginning, I'm going to do some new things. I am going to do some new things in you. I'm going to do some new things around you. I'm going to do some new things through you. Guess what? He's not going to do those things all by himself. You and I will have to get involved. All right? You and I will have to get involved. We're going to have to cooperate with God. When Jesus came to Lazarus' grave, and Lazarus had been dead for four days, Jesus was about to do something new. He was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. These disciples and these people that were present had never seen that type of miracle. Never! And Jesus knew what he was about to do. I mean, he's the son of God. He reigns in majesty, isn't he? He's Lord over the, over the, the dead and of the living. And he knew that he would, who is resurrection life, he would speak and, and Lazarus would rise up. He knew that. And he intended to raise Lazarus from the grave simply by commanding him to do so. But wait a minute, there was a little stone that was between Jesus and Lazarus. And you would think that someone who can raise the dead with his word can say to a little stone, move, and it will move. We know he could, but we know he didn't. He refused to do everything. He required, he wanted their participation. So Jesus said, I'm going to do what's impossible. I'm going to do what it takes God to do. And how many of you know there's some things that only God can do in your life? Amen? And the things that only God can do, Jesus said, you know, I'm prepared to be God. I'm prepared to be God. And the things that only God can do in you, for you, and through you, man, I will do it. But there are things that I have given you the ability to do. And you have enough strength in your muscles, and there are enough of you here to move that stone. So I'm not going to speak to the stone he spoke to the people and said, now you move the stone. In this year of new beginning, when God is doing new things in you, hear me, there are things that you will need to do. 
There are things that you got to decide, you know what? I know God wants to do some great stuff in my life, but there are some things that are in the way, and I need to move those things so God can do what he wants to do. Huh? Again, I'm going to use Alfred. Alfred said he used to watch a lot of TV. The reason he wasn't listening to the word was because he was listening to TV and mu uh, music, and, and, and that's where he, what he was doing. But when he realized there needed to be a change, he had to decide to cut off the TV. He had to decide to find YouTube and subscribe. Huh? God isn't going to use your remote. You're going to have to use it. You know, you get home, boop, the first thing you do, the TV. And you spend hours and hours watching TV. How are you going to grow spiritually? What new thing is God going to give you while you're still watching and meditating on that old and letting that thing affect your mind? God is going to do new things through his word, but he can't get his word in you until you do what? Listen. And to listen, you got to take the remote, say take the remote, point it to the TV, and cut it off. Some of you say, I don't watch TV yet, but you, you're on the internet, right? Uh, nowadays, a lot of folks don't watch TV, but we substitute a TV for our iPhones and our laptops. Okay. You want to grow? You want God to do the new thing in you? This is what you and I will have to do. Make time, quality time, much time for his word. And for that to happen, everybody take your finger and say click. Resist the temptation to spend so much time watching TV or listening to stuff that is not contributing to your spiritual growth and development. Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your eyes. Joshua, you will make your way prosperous. Joshua, you will make your way successful. How? If you make the decision that you're going to take this word and start meditating it, don't let it depart from your, from your, from your eyes, don't let it depart from your mouth, then Joshua, you will make your way prosperous. So there's going to be your cooperation. You and I have to be willing to participate with God. You can't be passive. Hmm? How many people that need to be, well, there are five men, 5,000 men plus women and children. Okay. What do you have? I'm not going to start from zero. What do you have? You give that to me. Give it to me and I will take it <laughs> and I will do something new with it. I mean, come on, five loaves and two fish, all that does is feed one person. But I'm going to do something new with it. I'm going to take the five loaves and two fish and we're going to actually feed 12,000 people. But the, but the miracle isn't going to start. The new thing will not begin until you put the five loaves and two fish in my hand. Are you hearing me? And so when you put the two five loaves and two fish in my hand, then I will take what you put in my hand because you want to, you want to see this happen. You, 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 you're willing to see this happening, and I will begin to multiply. And that's what happened. And not only did he multiply the five loaves, he began with that. He also told the disciples, I'm taking and go serve them. 
So the new thing was done by Jesus, but it was done by Jesus with his people participating in. We need to participate in what Christ is going to be doing. We cannot be passive. He showed up at Peter's place of business. After preaching and teaching the word, he wanted to do something new for Peter. Right? Do something major for Peter, right? And what did he say? Peter... Peter had Peter, 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 Peter had been all, all night trying to make something happen, and Peter couldn't make something happen. So Jesus said, you know, Peter, I will make it happen for you. I'm going to do something new right now for you. But you got to be willing to do something. I know you've been packing up. I know you, you have given up for the night, and you're ready to go home and sleep. I know you're tired, but I'm about to do something new for you. Now, you take that net, and you cast it on the right side. And Peter followed Jesus' instructions. It took effort. It took determination. It took faith for Peter to say, okay, since you said it, I'll do it. Nevertheless, since you say it, I will do it. And when he did what the Lord said, the Lord multiplied five loaves, I mean, caused him to, to, to catch what, what is described as a net-breaking, boat-sinking load of fish. Peter had never, 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 ever caught that many fish at one time. My goodness, I don't know what you're going to catch. <laughs> I don't know what blessings are coming your way. I, I pray that there be so many that, that you can't contain them, that you will have to share what you have. Amen. You'll be looking for friends to bless, looking for other church members to bless, looking for, 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 for relatives to bless. I just, I don't know, but may God bless you with so much more than you ever had. Not just in terms of money, but in other ways. Spiritual gifts, spiritual power, wisdom and revelation that is going to overflow. That you got not just enough for you, but you got enough to share with others and see their lives being enriched as well. In Jesus' name, may there be such an overflow. And I tell you, in this year of new beginning, God wants to do it. God stands poised to do it. God will do it. But I've got to be willing to take the nets and cast it. I've got to be willing to take the five loaves and two fish and give it to him. I've got to be willing to move the stone, whatever it is that is between me and the miracle and the change and the transformation that is within my power. I need to deal with this so he can do what only he can do. Three things, three things, three things quickly in this year of new beginnings. Here are the three things I want you to understand. You have to do. I have to do. One, we need to properly, properly position spiritual things where they should be in our lives. Hear me. Spiritual things, spiritual growth, spiritual blessings are far, 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 far more important than physical and material things. Stop making your life primarily about things. Jesus said it is not uh, what a man has. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he has. Don't make things the measurement of your life. Don't give your best to the pursuit of things. Give your best to the pursuit of Christ, being conformed to his image. 
Jesus said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, loses his soul? Hear me, spiritual things are far more important to God, to Christ, than should be to you than the material things. That's the difference between the world and the word. The world and the philosophy of the world places high priority on the material and natural, but the word places great priority on the things of the heart, the things of the spirit, the treasures of the heart. Jesus looked at people one day. He said, listen, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. He says, it's better for you to have two eyes, I mean one eye, and go to heaven than to have two eyes and go to hell. What was he doing? He was saying, listen, your spiritual well-being is far, 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 far more important than your physical and it's worth any kind of sacrifice you have to make. Do you hear me? Whatever kind of sacrifice he said you need to make to be spiritually whole, be willing to sacrifice those things because they're far more important. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing we need to do. And uh, it's, it's, we're going to have to pay attention to what we say. We're going to have to pay attention to our words. You and I will never rise spiritually above our confession. What we say with our mouths will set the standard for us in every area. If you want what God wants for you, then you've got to watch what you say. You've got to watch what you say to yourself and about yourself. You've got to watch what you say to people and about people. You've got to watch what you say to God and about God. Your words are critical. The scripture says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And then it goes on to say, and those who, who, who eat it will live by it. I believe that's how, that's how it goes. In other words, you're going to eat your words. The words that you speak, you're eating them. And they will produce after their kind. So you've got to decide the words that you will speak based upon what you want to experience. If you want the new beginnings, then you've got to begin to say what God says. You can't be passive. If we allow the enemy to continue to control our speech, he will continue to control the direction of our life. Say no way. Say no way. You cannot stop the decline until you, you begin to, to pay attention to what you say with your mouth and what you put in your heart. In James, in the book of James, the Lord spoke through James and he says, listen, the tongue is like a rudder. And, and you know how small a rudder is in a ship. But he said that that rudder, as small as it is, can literally turn the entire ship around. So that huge ship that is headed north can be redirected so that it's going south simply by getting hold of the rudder and turning it. And James is saying, if you get a hold of your tongue 
And if I get a hold of my tongue and I bring my tongue by the Spirit of God in submission to the Word of God, to the plan of God, he says, I can literally turn my life completely around. Death and life in the power of the tongue. And so this ship is going north. But when you start turning, it, it doesn't just turn. It begins to change. And first, it is not even noticeable. But it, 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 and all of a sudden, it's not facing north anymore. It's facing east. And it was so gradual, but it was real. And if you, don't, if you keep now, you can't stop when it goes east. If you want it to go, you got to keep doing it. And keep that thing, keep it, until all of a sudden, the ship is going in a completely different direction. Stop the decline. You're going this way spiritually. We're going this way spiritually. Stop the decline. And it begins with your tongue. And what you allow in your heart. Turn, change the direction, the trajectory of your spiritual life. Let it start to go upward again. And to do that, begin to discipline your tongue and train your tongue to speak what God says. And the way to do it, again, if you get in the word and you get in the word and you get in the word, guess what? The word starts to change even the way you talk. No, we're not going to be sitting passively. We're going to have to be cooperating with God as he's producing these changes. We've got to decide what's important. That the spiritual things of the kingdom are far more important than the physical things. We've got to decide that we're going to do something with our words, with our mouth, and what we're going to let get into our heart. Because in another place, Jesus said, it is what comes out of the heart. Out of the mouth comes from the heart and it defiles you. But if it comes out of the heart and out of your mouth and it defiles, then if you change what comes out of the heart and out of the mouth, it will bless. Hallelujah. I like what happened in the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel chapter 37. This is the year of new beginnings. And God looked at that valley and it was very dry. There was death everywhere. No sign of life. That used to be a great army. But something happened and they were all dry and dead and scattered. But God's purpose for them had not changed. And God decided to visit that valley and decided that that valley was not going to be left as he saw it, that those bones were not going to remain scattered and dead, but he was going to do something new in that valley. And he was going to bring life to those bones. And out of the valley of dry bones, he was going to raise up a mighty army. Strong and powerful army, able to go against the enemy, against the world, against the flesh, the devil. A strong and powerful army that he could use to advance his king out of that valley of dry bones. You see, you and I look at it and it's hopeless. It was hopeless. So God asked a prophet, prophet, can these bones live again? Because God knew that as, as he looked, as Ezekiel looked at those dry bones, there was not much to hope for. But God knew himself and God knew what he could do. 
And I'm saying to you, I don't know what your condition is or what my condition is or what our condition is fully, but God sees. And even if it's a valley of dry bones, I'm telling you, God is about to raise out of the valley of dry bones a strong and a mighty and a powerful army. Amen. And each of us is a part of that army. The, 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 the different bones that were scattered came together. And I declare in the name of Jesus that these, this, these bones that are scattered, that God by his spirit is gathering us together. And every bone is going to be connected to the right place. The toe bone will connect to the foot bone. The foot bone will connect to the ankle bone. The ankle bone will connect to the leg bone. The leg bone to the knee bone. The knee bone to the hip bone. The hip bone to the... You know the song. But it's not just going to be a song. It's going to be reality. In the year of new beginnings, God is going to move in the valley of dry bones and where we've been scattered and where we've been disconnected and where we've been spiritually in a state of declension. God is coming to change things. I said God is coming to change things in me. And God is coming to change things in you. And then he's going to change things through us. Are you hearing me? He's going to raise up a strong and powerful army Hallelujah. He said, I'm going to do a new work in you. I'm going to put a river in, a rivers in the desert. I'm going to put a road in the wilderness. And you know where? God's going to put a road in this wilderness. God is going to put rivers in this desert. You know, those areas of your life and, and, and my life that are dark and confusing like a wilderness, God, by his spirit and his word, He's going to put a pathway, a, a, a way, a path. He's going to reveal the path that will overcome the darkness and remove the confusion. In those places in your life that are dry and dead like a desert, my God is going to pour out his spirit. He's going to pour out his spirit. And he's going to rain on that desert. And what was dry and, and, and unproductive will come alive. Will come alive in me, will come alive in you. And we will see the fruit of his work in us. Child of God, let's believe him. Amen? Let's believe him. Stand to your feet. Raise those hands to heaven. God has spoken. God has spoken. God has spoken. What do you say? He said to the prophet, Can these bones live again? God has spoken. What do you say? Say, talk to him. Stop the decline. Stop the decline. Stop the decline. Stop the decline. Get into the word. Stop the decline. Get into your prayer closet. Stop the decline. Get involved in service. Stop the decline. Become a channel and an instrument for those living waters to flow through you. Don't be a dam. Don't be a well. 
become a channel of living waters. He will do it. He will do it. He will do it, but not without your participation. You do your part. He will do his. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.